Welcome all to the forum at Holy Communion uh, on this harried and strange week as we're awaiting the results of the election. Um, I am glad to be joined by Representative-elect uh, Joe Adams. Uh, Joe has won an election. One election, at least in Missouri, has been called. Uh, we're glad to have the University City area represented again by our own Joe Adams in the Missouri House. And I thought we might take a little bit of time knowing that we're not all the way done with this election for some reason, um, but to talk a little bit about what the election means. So Joe, thank you. Thanks for being with me. Um, Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, so I, this is, I, it's always kind of fun because it's after the election, we can talk politics with Joe a little bit. It's It's always that little awkward dance of, having somebody in the congregation and churches, of course, can't endorse candidates ever. Um, we can take positions on issues, but we can't endorse candidates. So it's always fun when you win uh, to get together with you and, and talk because we don't have to worry about whether we're endorsing you anymore. We can just talk with you as our as our rep. So this is a it's an interesting election. I know that there are a lot of folks. I don't know that there's anybody who's actually happy. Um, with the election on the national level. I think there was a lot of hope that there would be a really clear and decisive election. Um, I think that, that partly that there was a hope that we, that we weren't as divided as we seem to be. Um, and we'll get to the national election in a second, but I wanted to ask you first about, you know, the church did, as I said, we can take positions on issues. And we did take a position along with a whole, whole coalition of other churches and nonprofits and organizations across Missouri against the proposed Amendment 3, uh, which did pass. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about Amendment 3, about what its passage means, both like in terms of the law, but also what it means for what's going to happen politically in Missouri. Well, uh, Amendment 3, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure why the people voted. Yes, it's a smaller percentage than did Clean Missouri, mm. the original. Uh, it's a, by about 10%, but it, it barely passed. But it's going to have some profound changes. And they did get into some of them in the advertisement, trying to convince people to vote no. Uh, talking about, uh, yeah, it's banning lobby, lobbyist gifts of $5. Okay. Uh, it's reducing how much uh, senators can get in a campaign contribution. $100. I mean, you know, ridiculous things like that. But the thing that is scary and what it's going to do, which I think is going to be devastating for representation, is that it's only going to count those people in a district, a rep district or a Senate district that are eligible voters, meaning that they've got to be over the age of 18. So all children 17 and below or eight below 18 don't count. Mm. So some districts are going to be overrepresented over and underrepresented. That's, I think, is devastating. The other thing is redistricting. The whole idea of the original Clean Missouri was to try to take some of the politics out of redistricting. 
what they're going to be doing is they're going to be setting up more gerrymandering. Yeah. And uh, the Republicans, uh, you know, for some of those that are Republicans, Republicans are great at creating districts. Democrats have not been that good lately. In the past, they were good, but not lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's- I, those are some of the problems. The representation. Some municipalities felt it's going to hurt them financially because some cities receive revenue based on population and how that's going to work out. I'm not really sure. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting, you know, we um, we hosted that screening. It was just this year. It feels so long ago, but it was earlier this year of the movie Rigged yeah. uh, that looks at um at Denise Lieberman, who's the attorney down at WashU, came and talked with us. And it, it looks at the sort of modern dynamics of voter suppression um, and that gerrymandering is one of those things. And it sounds like Amendment 3 had some innovative steps in terms of who counts and who doesn't. And so districts that have more kids uh, will, will get less representation and districts that are overwhelmingly more elderly are going to get more representation. I didn't. I hadn't even known that about Amendment 3. I, I find it interesting. So one of the most compelling figures in this whole race for me um, has been Stacey Abrams. And that's been true for me for a while. But when she, you know, almost won the Georgia governorship, a lot of national attention went on her because Georgia and Missouri in some ways are very similar. They were reliably red states uh, with blue cities in them. Um, and Stacey Abrams got really close to winning and didn't, and she says that that was because of voter suppression. So she spent the last two years pushing back on voter suppression, and her whole idea, I've heard her say it a couple times, is um, the way to overcome voter suppression is by overwhelming it. Correct. It seems like that hasn't happened in Missouri. Is that fair? That is fair. Uh, There were some attempts... This this cycle, that's that's what we call these election cycle, to expand uh, voting numbers, getting people to register and everything, but it really didn't work. Yeah, I was really disappointed. I mean, we had really high vote counts across Missouri, but one of the places where the vote wasn't quite as high was the city of St. Louis. That is correct. Yeah. So that and that I was going to say that, but there are other area, other pockets of areas in the state whole state that aren't voting either Mm. like people down in the boot hill the southeast part of the state we've we've been talking about this some of us among ourselves how do we goose those people participating both black and white down there yeah they're poor people they're they've been disenfranchised you know one of the intriguing things historically back in the that area Back, I think it was in the 40s, the black and white farmers got together and really scared the power structure because they weren't happy with them getting together. And that's what we need to do. We've got to figure out a way to goose them up so they'll understand that they've got to participate to take care of themselves because their political leaders down there aren't going to take care of them. They're not going to do anything for them. That's one of the things a couple of years ago, I was screaming on the floor of the state legislature, hey, you're killing your own people. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I remember lots of times when we were in the sacristy getting ready for church, you're getting on your robe to um, carry the cross. I'm getting on my robe and my stole to do to preach. And I just ask, how's it going in Jeff City? And and Joe just starts shaking his head, you know, just is. But but for right now, please don't scream too much in Jefferson City because those Republicans aren't wearing masks. And I don't I don't want you to get the virus. OK, so yeah. I'll try not to. <laughs> Um, so Jelani Cobb, um, mm-hmm. back to the, the, the question in Georgia and, and Missouri. Jelani Cobb had this piece in, in the New York Times this week where he talked about, you know, this year is the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage mm-hmm. and the 150th anniversary of the 15th Amendment, um, giving Black men the right to vote. And one of the things that Cobb looked at was it's a really interesting historical thing that both of those moves, it happened because of a lot of organizing, but it also happened because people were trying to put together new coalitions. You know, right. a, a chunk of why um, the Republicans pushed for the amendment giving black men the right to vote was they were hoping to break up the um, power base in the South a little bit. And I wonder about, you're talking about new coalitions. Um, what kind of work would you like to see your church and other organizations doing to build new coalitions? What would that take? What would it take for us to be as competitive as Georgia? You sort of read my uh, Facebook posting uh, this morning. I re-Facebooked something that I had uh, posted back in 2017 talking about some of the southern states. Mm-hmm. Now, why can't they elect a black person statewide? Yeah, and we can't in Missouri. Mm-hmm. We can't. And uh, I, I'll tell you, if you ever really travel outstate Missouri, not on the interstates, but go down some of the state highways and things like that, and going through some of those small towns. You'll understand. It's just Missouri, outstate Missouri, is more south than Mississippi. And that's frightening. Yeah. Uh, There are some very good people in in parts of Missouri, but overwhelmingly, they're fearful for some reason of something that is different. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why Nicole Galloway lost. Female, running for governor? Oh, come on. Yeah, she's well-educated and all these other wonderful things, but no, we can't quite get our hands around it. Uh, We we just got to keep doing more and more education, and me and other elected officials we're just going to have to go to the rural areas and try to convince these people to vote for their own interests mm-hmm. and to quit voting against their own interests. Well, that's really, I mean, it's really interesting to me how much, you know, it, I was thinking about this in terms of what what's broken down in our political discourse. What's It seems these days like, groups have gotten so effective at making folks into one or two issue voters 
you know, in Missouri, I'm, st- I'm I mean, we have the most expansive gun rights of, I think, any state in the country. Um, Pretty close. <laughs> and, and there are folks still, there's a representative that we've pushed back on because he keeps introducing this universal carry um, thing that would force churches and other religious establishments along with bars and restaurants and stadiums that they would become automatic open carry zones. And we put together a coalition a couple times, including the archdiocese and black churches and Jewish leaders to push back on that. And so far we've joined with like the moms demand action. So far we've been successful in basically keeping them from actually voting on that thing. But I find it interesting that that is viewed, that that's something that politicians run on. Yeah. Um, that, that, uh, and, and that it's become such a, are there, uh, abortion is a similar thing, you know, like it's, it, 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 how do we get to a point where we could have some fundamental disagreements on, you know, what the constitution like allows in terms of uh, gun laws, but we could also work together and not just you know, not just be running political campaigns the whole time, but actually governing. What would it take? And has it changed? You've been a politician for a while. Has it, am I right? Has this changed? Has it gotten more politicized this way? It is more politicized. Uh, there's, there are groups out there that create concepts that states pick up on. It's a group called ALEC. It's Legislative Exchange. And they come up with some of these positions mm-hmm. that they put out there. And I'm, I was thinking about Prop 3, and I was wondering if Alec helped write mm-hmm. that concept, because it sounds like it. It's, it sounds like some of the things that Donald Trump was trying to do with the census mm-hmm. uh, of how to cut out people from being counted. Uh, the Constitution says you count the people, not whether they're citizens or not. Yeah, I, I got quite angry with the U.S. Supreme Court when they interpreted the Second Amendment. I always thought the Second Amendment says in a well-regulated militia. Yeah, and I was saying, yeah, that's National Guard. Yeah, or if you want to carry a gun, like. What was written in the Constitution? A musket. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to be an originalist about it, yeah, I, I, you'd have to go with the original firearms that they were talking about. No, I, that, that's one though that it's you know I I worked I came here from Washington D.C. and I definitely there are and and this is you know like there are folks that hold a position on say the Second Amendment that believe gun rights are really foundational rights, but that would entertain that they're, they're not totally limitless. Um, right. You know, this idea of constitutional carry, that doesn't necessarily mean that there couldn't be red flag laws or background checks or, you know, mm-hmm. that there, there are certain limits even to constitutional rights for the sake of the populace. But it does seem like rather than actually having a substantial discussion and debate, we're more interested in positions that, help us carve our electorate up um, on certain issues like that. So, 
I mean, like, first off, I wanted to say God bless you as you go um, and hopefully not shout, but bang your head against the wall a little bit down in Jefferson City, because I know that, you know, it's it's not easy to go down and be part of the minority um, down there. But could yeah. you talk a little bit about it? You know, it, is there anything hopeful? Is there anything, you know, besides trying to put a stop to nutso stuff? Um, is there anything you see that we might be working on in this next cycle of um, uh, while you're while you're in office that that is actually hopeful? Oh, that's I think it's a little early for me to a little early okay. <laughs> pick that out. What could be hopeful signs? Because uh, some of the people who were obstructionists on the other side or have thanks to term limits or. They had the term limits have moved on, but some of them have moved over to the Senate. So there, there they can do more damage than they could in the House. Uh, I'm hoping uh, that they will be at least willing to listen. Mm. I won't say it will happen, but I hope they will be able to listen and, and take, because I have been able to talk to some in the past and to get them to rethink their positions. But it, it's tough. They, when you see them voting in blocks and when one member or, or a couple try to break out of the pack, I mean, they come down on them something like fierce. Um, they'll twist arms and everything else. There was a young woman from uh, s- Southeast Missouri who got elected and she voted against them a couple of times and they got on her so much she resigned. Yeah. Because they just could she couldn't take it anymore, the pressure they were leaning on. So. Yeah, that's something that I will say has become and I think you're right about I mean I was every once in a while I had a company, especially when the Episcopal Church would bring in um immigrants uh to come in and lobby in um congressional offices. Uh, I would come with my collar on and help translate and, you know, talk about what's going on in the Episcopal Church's positions on why we believe in comprehensive immigration reform and compassionate mm-hmm. care of immigrants. And I remember, I won't name which senator, but I was in a Republican senator's office who had made some potential overtures that this senator might be willing to take up leadership um, in the way that McCain did back in like 2000, uh, 2006 or 2007, mm-hmm. when McCain and Kennedy were working together on it. And so this senator had sort of put a toe out about maybe, maybe I'll talk about immigration reform. And I remember just looking at this aide who was shaking um, about this idea that they were even taking a meeting about immigration reform because that senator had been so thoroughly whacked by the party leadership um, for even contemplating immigration reform. Uh, they threatened to run somebody against the senator in the primary and end their political career. And that to me just sounds, I mean, it just seems like that's where we've gotten in some ways. And there's got to be a way that we could start rewarding, you know, being willing to work with people, being willing to build. I mean, if we are this divided as an electorate, um, if we're going to be able to govern ourselves, we're going to have to figure out how to work together. True. How? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I hope you're right. But uh, listening to the words of people on the national scene, like Mitch McConnell, it doesn't look like it's going to be a lot of bipartisanship 
doesn't look like we're not going to really govern anymore. We're going to be delaying and stopping things. Yeah. No, I, I can't remember when we last had a federal budget rather than a continuance resolution. Right. Sometime in the early Obama administration. But mm-hmm. it's a it's a I mean, it's it's a difficult time. And yet there are interesting signs that something new is. I mean, Cory Bush's election uh, is a big thing. For Missouri, first African American woman ever to represent um, the state on a national level um, in the U.S. House. What do you? What's your read of her election? What's your read of? Especially, I mean, she won the primary, which basically guaranteed that she would win. Um, mm-hmm. But what's your read on on that win? I I I, th- I thought that the of the incumbent was going to be in trouble because. Uh, she had ran two years earlier and figured out what it was. And, and over the next two years, she went out and built the, that coalition, sort of like Stacey Abrams, but build that coalition inside of the first congressional district. Uh, she has some interesting ideas. Some of them are definitely out there that won't happen, but it's good to have ideas that won't happen. Because at least you make people think about things. And, and so that's the good thing. I'm not sure how well she's going to govern, though. And yeah. be honest with you, because I, though I met her and I know her and I know her father, uh, I'm not sure how well she'll be working in that environment because it's a smaller majority now in the House for the Democrats. And so. And they've got to build coalitions too. And uh, that's sometimes hard. It's like, as I keep saying, herding cats. Yeah. Well, and that's that's something, I mean, like coming back around to the national level, I, I can't remember a time when we were waiting on this many. I mean, of course, we're waiting on the, the big question of, you know, when is the presidential election going to finally be called? Um, but we're also waiting on some House seats. We're still waiting on a couple senators. We're waiting. I mean, looks like Georgia senators are going to all go to a runoff election. So right. we won't know what the power balance in the Senate's going to be until January. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, January 6th, I think. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, we were just in a men's prayer group that we were talking about waiting. Um, yeah. But that's a, a rather than a, a blue wave or a red wave, which, you know, both sides were promising. We seem to have hit this curious, almost not stalemate, but um, it's almost like we're getting what's come to us. We all have to wait to see what's going to happen. Um, yeah. What's here? If you've got a hope uh, for the next four years, the next two years, the, you know, the next cycle, as it were, what's your hope? My, my hope. Uh, I, I would. My wish, my dream, as somebody was saying in the men's prayer group. My, his fantasy trip. My fantasy would be you have elected officials who aren't always looking towards that next election. Mm. I'm here to do a job now, the best of my ability for the citizens. And if I get reelected, that's okay. And if I don't, well, hey, I put it all out there. You've got so many of them running with the idea of hey, I got this job, it pays pretty good, and all I got to do is go with the leadership. Mm-hmm. You should be going with the people. Uh, there there was a, a 
a person I was talking to when I was down Jeff City um, this week, who says, I'm not, I don't vote my personal convictions. Mm-hmm. I vote my district. Mm-hmm. Which she said gets her in trouble with her church. Mm-hmm. That's what she does. She says, I vote my constituents, mm-hmm. what they're interested in. That would be my fantasy. Everybody did that. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I, I know it's dangerous to say this, you know, because you are the rep for this area of U City. But my, I think I would couple that with um, my hope would be, you know, I've lived in places where it felt like the people had a little more power to hold their elected representatives accountable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, churches were a little more organized. Unions had a little bit more. And unions here are pretty strong, but um, I, I've been places where there were more active, you know, active political meetings where big groups of people showed up to push a politician in one way or another, or to let the elected leadership know, we're going to watch how you're voting. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch how you're voting. And if you're not representing our desires, we're going to notice that. Um, and so I think I would couple it with my hope. I, I, I would, I'm with you. I hope that um, politicians in Jeff City and on the national scale are more responsive, but I would hope for a more invigorated, um, you know, citizenry, uh, you know, so so that we have a town hall with you, Joe, and that I'm, you know, holding you account on something. Okay, you know, sure. Let's get there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I try to put out uh, a, a newsletter every week mm. on Facebook, and I just now started putting it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it gives you an, uh, a rundown of what's going on in Jeff City, what's happening politically. And folks should sign up by following you on Twitter or following you on Facebook. That's the that's the best way to get that. Right now, yes. Well, I, with my new uh, legislative assistant, we might come up with a better way of getting it out. But, Very uh, cool. but Very yes. cool. at least he gives you a rundown of what happened, and even give you a rundown of the the election. Very cool. Very cool. And I keep trying to do that, trying to push it out more and more people, people, whoever get it, they can forward to anybody they want. They can share it. It's not proprietary. Yeah. Well, and as, as a lot of people know, I don't actually live in your district. I live over in Peter Meredith's district. Right. Really good at that. And I've really appreciated that um, to get updates from him. I also somehow got on Deb Lavender's list and she does a really good job of. Um, right. Legislative updates to it, but she'll be gone. I know. I was sad about Devil Lavender. That was a sad one. Yeah. So, um, last question for you: When sure. do you think they're going to call the presidency? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I was uh, talking to my sons or texting back and forth with my sons, and I talked to my sister, and I think it will be either today or tomorrow. You do. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's all up to Pennsylvania. Technically, it would have been called in the old old days, yeah. old days being four years ago yeah. <laughs> or less. But because of the current incumbent and his uh, pontificating about fraudulent votes and everything else, they're not going to call it until... There is no chance of him, whenever there are votes still out there, of him saying that there are still votes out there and they're my votes and when, when they're not. There are only about 100,000 left in Pennsylvania, 
Pennsylvania. Yeah. And is that that'll be called then uh, Nevada and Arizona will fall. Uh, they're going to do that recount in Georgia and recounts rarely. I can't even remember a time a recount has changed an election. Yeah. Few votes, but not an election. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you didn't make my job any easier because there's a joke in the sermon that depends on whether the election's been called or not. And so I still have to keep the sermon in two different directions. So uh, <laughs> thanks for that, Joe. But no, I hope you're right. I hope they get it done in the next couple of days. I mean, I will know. Well, I, 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 I can tell you a joke. Yeah. Down in Jeff City told me he did not change his clock. Mm hmm. Because he doesn't want another hour 2020. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, well, we'll know by December 14th because that's when the Electoral College meets. So uh, that's correct. But yeah, no, that's a, I hope you're right. I really hope, um, you know, whatever else comes when this thing is said and done. I hope that we can move past some of the politicization. At least maybe we can get done campaigning on whether the coronavirus is real and representatives in Jeff City can put on masks just because it's the sensible thing to do. Mm -hmm. I hope we can have some sensibility in it. But Joe, thank you for being willing to put yourself um, down there in Jeff City, to put yourself at risk literally right now, but, but to go and represent us. Um, in what can be a hostile and frustrating place. I, I'm grateful for your public service. Uh, I'm, I'm not, doesn't mean I'm not going to hold you account sometimes, but I'm okay. grateful for public service. And, and, and I'm still hoping and praying that we can visit or, or participate in building. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At, at, at this point, we're, we're listening to our scientists and, and we're <laughs> holding off. And I'm grateful that we did because the wave right now is worse than the wave we had this summer. But yes. um, but we'll keep people safe here. But thank you for doing the work that you're doing. And thank you, well, thank you. for uh, taking some time to talk with me about the election. And I, I hope in a few more days we got a little bit more to talk about. OK. Well, All right. thank, you. thank you. Thank you.